And welcome to another edition of Six Man Dynasty Podcast. I'm Samir here with uh, Pratik and Palmer. What's up? Sophomore season, baby. Um, trying to get into a little bit of a bold prediction podcast. Uh, we haven't really been releasing podcasts since the season ended. Um, you guys can check out our feed. We got a bunch of division previews we did, a couple of random dynasty roundtables with, uh, I think our biggest one was Wiggins versus Booker. Who would you rather have? Um, got a lot of interesting comments on that, but yeah, we're hoping to roll out these podcasts, you know, hopefully once, twice a month, whenever we can gather everybody here together. Um, but yeah, with that being said, let's hop into this. I think we're all going to try and do uh, three bold predictions. Hopefully none of them are too bold, um, but let's go ahead and start with Pratik. Give me your first one. All right. Uh, I am all in on the Mike D'Antoni offense in Houston. Who isn't? Yeah, who isn't? It's hard not to be. Uh, So I am predicting that Ryan Anderson will average a monstrous three and a half threes per game, which should put him uh, about either second or third in the entire league at worst. Uh, I think Ryan Anderson could be a top 30 player this season. We've seen him do it on a per game basis previously in his career. He's had some real success. He's always been a very good offensive rebounder, and that'll be an important role he will have on this team. I think this team will need him to rebound consistently. And with his offensive numbers, uh, I think it's it's well within a, the realm of possibility. Yeah, as you said, he's done it before, and that was without D'Antoni. And you know, the big staple of D'Antoni is um, get up as many three-point shots, and not just to get up three-point shots, but do it as fast as possible. So, you know, the pace is up. There's more opportunities to to sink those threes and. And he's going to do it. He's a good enough shooter to do it. And Harden's a good enough distributor to get him the ball and get him those opportunities. So um, I definitely think he's capable. And uh, we're not surprised, you know, if he challenges um, for the league lead and three-pointers made. I know one of the big drawbacks that people say is that he's had some injury history. Um, I was talking about this with Samir yesterday. He's never actually played or only played a full season twice, one being the lockout year. But what is interesting about his injury history is it's not recurring issues. It's kind of been freak injuries. Uh, In 2014, he had to end his season due to a weird collision where he ended up getting nerve damage near his spine. And there was a chance his career could have been over. And so he had to, you know, miss the rest of the season because of that. And then last year, he had a sports hernia. So these aren't things to me that scream, you know, knee issues or shoulder problems. These are just kind of freak things that happen to a player. So I think... I, I don't think health is as big of a concern as maybe you would think when you look at his track record. Well, yeah, most people always claim him to be one of the most injury-prone guys. Do you mind naming that website? I remember you saying something about history. Yeah, prosportstransactions.com, and you can just search up and set it to uh, games missed based on uh, injuries, and it'll tell you their entire career what they've missed, which is a very useful tool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I mean I think that's very easy to see. You're saying that one season, it's 2012. He finished number eight overall. So he's definitely shown he can do similar things before. We'll see. Highly doubt he'll pass Steph, but right. Hopefully he's close. Yeah, and um, he's he's definitely a good person to target in any league before um, you know this season where we expect his value to rise. And Pratik, you actually acquired him, right? I did. I did. I'm in a win now position, so I traded away uh, Moose Monroe, Greg Monroe. Uh, for uh, that's his nickname. Is it? Yeah, they call him Moose. Uh, for uh, Anderson, and uh, there's only a two-year difference. Uh, I think right now it seems like Monroe's going to start the season on the bench, which is going to impact his value in some way. 
Um, even though he was a top 30 player last year, Monroe is very good. He's a versatile big man. Um, I think Anderson's upside was worth the gamble for me. So, Yeah, I think it's a good trade. I don't think anybody has any idea what's going on with with Moose. <laughs> yes. You could never heard that before? No, Since no, college. never. never yeah, had. That's crazy. All right, uh, Palmer, you want to give me your first bold prediction? Uh, yeah. While we're on the, the topic of elite three-point shooters, I want to point out um, the player who hit the most three-pointers per minute last season if Steph Curry was not alive. <laughs> that's important. I think that's uh, just the caveat with like most NBA statistics at this point. Right. If Steph Curry didn't exist. Throw Steph out the window. Uh, and it's Mirza Toledovic, who Mirza. who the Bucks signed as a free agent this year and was expected to play a key role as as a guy to provide some outside shooting for them because they really struggled with spacing and shooting last season. Uh, unfortunately for them, their best spacer and shooter, Chris Middleton, Looks like he's going to be out for the season. So Toledovic's role is even that much more secure, and it's it's safe to forecast an uptick in his minutes. Last year, he was around... Uh, he was at 21.3 minutes per game and hit 2.3 threes per game. So to be... Uh, my bold prediction is that Toledovic is going to be amongst the top three players and three-pointers made this upcoming season. So... Uh, at his rate of shooting and making three-pointers, he essentially just needs to play 30 minutes a game. Right, and I think that's the biggest thing. How long do you think it takes, I mean, even if they start the season like this with, you know, Giannis, Jabari, and Toledovic till Jason Kidd cannot handle the defense? That might be tough, but, okay, the lineup they rolled out last night in the preseason game to start was Delhi, Giannis, Jabari, Toledovic, and Monroe. Right. Um, if I say Plumlee starts because of his defense... You've got Deli, Giannis, and Plumlee as uh, plus defensive players, I'll say, and Jabari and Toledovic for, and they just have to have Toledovic on the floor. I think that's a big uh, point in your favor. He needs to play. They have no shooting, and you know he'll get, he'll be putting up shots. I think, especially as a third option, you know, he'll be able to play off. He won't be relied on to create his own shot as he was in Brooklyn a couple years ago, which when he. That year, we saw his three-point percentage crater to 32, and then climbed back up last year in Phoenix when he was kind of just playing off of the players. Right. So if he's around 40% again, uh, I, I don't see that as out of the question. Yeah, and I think his, his ADP, at least in redraft leagues, is is around Probably 150. I think, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's between 150 and 200. Well, so. I think 140 is standard, right? So Close to undrafted. Right, yeah. close, close to undrafted. So... You know, if you're looking for someone at the end of those drafts or in a dynasty league and need help with threes, but don't have much to offer, Toledovic is, is a guy you can really acquire for hopefully a low cost. If his owner is not listening to this podcast with amazing analysis, uh, <laughs> if, if he does, you're in trouble. Well, but, in a dynasty league, he's interesting because he is 31. So you're acquiring him to be a one category stud for the next two years, two to three hopefully. Years, sure. I mean, I, I would say optimistically, you're hoping for a two year. Yeah, he might not be able to stay in front of anybody by then. Yeah, exactly. So let's discuss this. I know we were discussing a potential trade for Toledovic. I did acquire Anderson. I might be interested in acquiring Toledovic. How how would you feel about a Toledovic for Justin Anderson trade, who I believe we have ranked around one fifty ish, maybe a little higher in our uh, rankings on sixmandynasty.com. Well, I'm definitely interested because you know I'm a fan of Justin Anderson. Um, I'm, That's an understatement. Uh, I'm well. I'm negotiating. These are foreshadowing. I, I'm negotiating. So, uh, 
the problem I have with it is last season at the end of the year you were talking about dropping Justin Anderson. So now now I'm struggling because you have this leverage over me where you know I want him, but I know you don't really like him that much. So I'm caught in this awkward. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like so some things have changed. I believe his role uh, is more defined. What I really impressed me when I did some research was down the stretch last year they were playing him at some small ball four, uh, letting him get out and run, and you know they. Uh, I listened to some preview podcasts of the season talking about how uh, with him and Barnes they'll have the ability to switch a lot of pick and roll so that'll be a very important defensive lineup for a team that doesn't look like it has a lot of plus defensive players so I think Anderson is almost in a way guaranteed a certain amount of minutes just because of his defense and his athletic ability if he shows out to be a 35% three point shooter he'll be a very useful player so I think in that sense let's uh, we can make this deal happen I think we can definitely do it. Um, so, Toledovic for Justin Anderson straight up? Is that the... Straight up. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to win it, and I, I'm trying to acquire threes as much as I possibly can. Interested? I'm also in it to win it, and I am interested. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Let's make so this we, we have a trade on air? Oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah, I can't believe this, because we've been texting about this for, for a couple there's, of weeks. There's very little risk in this for you, in a sense. You know, so, let's do it. Alright, all right. Right. that's Toledo a deal. For Anderson. Toledo for Anderson. I just acquired right. a bold prediction. There we go. <laughs> alright, fantastic. Alright, great, great trade, boys. Uh, let me move on to one of my uh, bold predictions. Um I'm going to start with uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson will be a top 100 player this year in fantasy. Um, you know what you get with him. It's elite steals. You're going to get some good rebounds as well. Decent points, hopefully half a block to a block a game as well. Just uh, contributing everywhere. He won't kill your free throw percentage either. Um, and supposedly he's been working on a shot, which looked completely broken last year. Um, in 20 minutes a game, I think he finished in the top 150. So bump that up to 30. I don't think top 100 is crazy. And I'm not really sure who can actually compete with him at minutes. Uh, I think he's guaranteed, again, it's the same thing with Anderson. Uh, I think he's guaranteed a certain amount of playing time because right. he's their best defensive player already. By far. It's, yeah. it's going to be important for him to be on the floor uh, on the wing. Um, I just worry that his offense could be horrendous. I mean, I think, you know, every this time of year, we're always hearing about players reworking shots, losing weight, gaining weight, so it's all good news right now, but I want to see in game action. I'm very skeptical of his ability to fix that right away, because you know, I mean, we're talking about MKG fixing his shot for years. You know, they could be similar mm-hmm. players in that sense, so. Well, he certainly struggled with his three-point shot, but overall, he shot 46% last year as a rookie, so... I don't think he really shoots threes at all. He only shot uh, well, he 14 shot fourteen in all of last year in 29 games. Right. So, still shooting 46% on the season as a rookie. I mean, that's a good indication he's not going to hurt you. He may struggle in NBA, but uh, for fantasy terms, I'm really not worried about it. And on a per 36 basis, averaging 2.3 steals and 0.9 blocks that's um, his rookie year. And, you know, you mentioned it already. There's really not a lot of competition uh, in Brooklyn, so he should get plenty of opportunity to, to live up to those part 36 numbers. That's very true. They're committed to making sure he becomes a valuable part of their core going forward, so he'll get his fair share of minutes that way. Right, so I think, I mean, I think uh, ESPN had him at ADP around 150 as well, so, I mean, if you're, if you're sitting in the 120s, 130s of your draft and need some cheap steals, I think it's a nice little upside play. Um, 
But moving back to Pratik, give me your second bold prediction. All right, I'm all in on Mr. Rodney Hood this season. Uh, I think he has a chance to be basically Chris Middleton, who we've been we've seen be a top level fantasy player, very successful. I've got some fun Rodney Hood stats here. Uh, a catch and shoot on three pointers, he was at 38.9 percent, which is a very good catch and shoot percentage. So he's an outside, uh, elite outside shooter. He's shown a really nice ability to operate in pick and roll. We've talked about it before. Um, he has a knack for getting the defender on his hip. He can make some nice passes out of there. And so I think with Hayward now out for at least the first couple of weeks, they'll rely on him then. And we can see his role grow more and more. I can see them finishing you know, a lot of games with uh, favors at the center, a f- stretch four, and Hill, Hayward, and Hood. And Hill, you know, as a point guard, doesn't need the ball in his hands. So I think it'll still be Hayward and Hood dominating. So a top 40 season for Rodney Hood. Not out of the question. Yeah, I, I find it hard hard to buy. I really do like Rodney Hood. Um, but he simply doesn't contribute a lot to your steals and your blocks. And it hurts your field goal percentage a good amount. So it's going to be tough for top 40, but that's that's what bold predictions are for. I don't think he can't do it. Um, but what it, where I really see him gaining some value is his ability to to create a little bit. Um, George Hill is the point guard for Utah now. He's not necessarily a, a very good creator, so they're going to rely on Hayward and Hood to right. really really start the offense. So if he can get his assist numbers up, I think that's going to help him a lot. Yeah, get those up to four, hoping points go up, maybe some more threes as well. Uh, top forty is not out of the question, but definitely both. But Jazz are going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch this year. They've got a lot of players that people are expecting to do well. Lyles, Exum's back. Good boy. They're 50-1 to um, one to win the Western Conference, which is a fun Yeah, bet. you were telling me this on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then moving on to uh, back over to you, Palmer. Give me number two. Sure. Uh, we already touched on it a little bit, and I'm hoping at the end of this spiel it will encourage Pratik to... Trade me again. Um, <laughs> actually, my bold prediction is that Justin Anderson is going to outrank Harrison Barnes for this coming season. Um, you talked to wow. I'd like to retract my previous trade offer. <laughs> so hopefully by the end of this spiel, I'll be able to trade Anderson back to Pratik for Toledovich <laughs> plus something. Um, just showing how convincing that these arguments are. This really has more to do with Harrison Barnes than it does Anderson. I think we like Anderson. We all agree on his potential. But where we don't agree is how Harrison Barnes is going to fare for the Mavericks uh, as, as the key, you know, as the primary lead for, for that team. So uh, I have some numbers on Harrison Barnes. And it has to do with his shooting. So on three-point field goals last season, he shot... 25% on pull-up shots. He shot 39% on catch-and-shoot. So obviously with the Warriors, you know, he's getting a lot of open looks because Curry, Thompson, Draymond are, are drawing double teams and crea- creating for him. In Dallas, I don't think he's going to have as many catch-and-shoot opportunities. So if he's forced to create on his own, this 25% you know, field goal percentage that he, would, he was showing there, that doesn't bode well for his value. Uh, He's, and he's struggled so far in the preseason with his shot. I think he's 1 for 10 and 3 for 13 in the two games so far, which, you know, preseason and all that. But 
obviously you'd like to see some improvement. But I think I think that's going to be your biggest worry with him. I mean, he should he still should get enough volume uh, in terms of points, even rebounds. He's decent for a small forward, but that field goal percentage and even turnovers as well is going to be a little right. nerve wracking. But the the field goal percentage was was one of his strongest things, exactly. you know, in Golden State, exactly. and it always has been. He shot. 48% two right. years ago and 47 last year. So I think it's almost a certainty that that drops, and I think it's going to drop a lot. 43, 42, probably, right. in my mind. Right, so uh, based on that, I mean, last year he came in as the 136th player in nine category. So if his field goal percentage drops, certainly he'll get an increase in points, you know, maybe rebounds, but uh, I don't see much else improving. I think... I, I think he's going to get worse um, by moving to Dallas and becoming the primary playmaker. I just wonder if he'll be able to get an uptick in his threes enough. I mean, he's always been been a great three-point shooter, and I mean, sure, he may not do as well off the dribble, sure. but they, they have enough offensive options that can move the ball around, and Carlisle's the best at that to get him in a place where he can succeed. He's been really good in the post. We talked about this before. I mean, I think uh, I had the stat pulled up. It's like .9... 0.91 points per possession down there, so I'm excited for him. Well, I, I, think, I think people need to temper their expectations, but I think a lot of people are a little too down on him. You well, think I, I'm being too bold? I think you're being no, too bold. I see, well, here's what I'll talk for Palmer's point. Uh, I think Anderson can make up a lot of value on the defensive end. Harrison Barnes is a subpar defensive player in fantasy, mm-hmm. always has been, and uh, Justin Anderson has some very fun per 36 numbers. Uh, his blocks highlight reel, it's on YouTube, you can go find it. He just comes flying out of nowhere. He has good recovery. He's such a good athlete that he knows how to recover on jump shots and stuff. So I think in that way, if he's playing, let's say, 28 minutes a game, he's going to make up a lot of ground on Barnes Mm -hmm. in the defensive value. And if Barnes loses his efficiency value, like you say he will, which seems likely, like I kind of agree with you, I actually don't think it's that bold at all. So you just made a terrible trade. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always winning. You're going to trade back? So Anderson for Toledovich in the future first? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I haven't proposed it yet. So. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, one of my second ones. Um, I've gotten a lot of flack for this. Uh, actually, I think Palmer's on board. But I believe Cole Aldridge will be a top 120 player. Um, we've seen him. Obviously, he moved to Minnesota this offseason. But with the... Clippers last year, he played 13 minutes per game. He was a top 150 player. I mean, I think he had one block a game in those 13 minutes. Uh, his per 36 stats were 15 points, 13 boards with three blocks and two steals. Uh, if you look through his career numbers, the two steals are probably an aberration. But I think the blocks are there, the points and rebounds are there. He's always at a high field goal percentage. If he can luck into 20 to 25 minutes a game with the T-Wolves, I mean... We all know Tibbs plays the starters a little more than everybody else, but I don't know how much he's going to like the Jang-Towns pairing. So we'll see. I mean, if, if he can get some time on the court, get it to 2025, I think this is not bold at all. I think I should have even raised it to top 100. Uh, so I'll say a couple things. I think uh, Towns will play a lot of center this year, uh, or is the starting center. Uh, Jang's a nominal power forward. I think we'll see the Wolves go a little smaller this year as well. Uh, I'm expecting a big year for Bielka, Bielitsa. 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 <laughs> Bielitsa. I mess it up every time. Um, so I just... Cole Aldridge for 20 minutes seems optimistic to me. And also, 
he is this rate monster. You know, his per 36 numbers are monstrous. But I think to me, that's he screams a player. The more he plays, he loses value as he gets uh, more minutes, efficiency, block numbers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Foul trouble comes with that. So I think there could be issues on that end. Well, his efficiency certainly drops as he plays more and more, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily losing value, right? I mean, he's out there for blocks and for rebounds and, and for field goal percentage, so the more he plays, the better. Um, I do have a stat. It's uh, the last month of last season on a per 36-minute value basis. He was the number five player in the NBA. Sample size much? <laughs> Sample size. Give me yeah. give me six and seven, by the so, way. So number six, yeah, trying to be non-biased here, not trying to trick the listeners. Number six was Chris Kamen, and number seven was Jody Meeks. There but we go. on either side of Cole Audrey, there's Kevin Durant and LeBron James. So, you know, there, there's some truth to that. Yeah, uh, And I'll, I'll point out specifically to your stat, he had a couple starts last year. Uh, I don't know if it was DeAndre being out, but one of them, 21 points, 18 boards, five steals in a block. And another one, 14 points, 10 boards, 3 blocks. So seems to me like the permanent stats are catching up to those minutes as long as he gets them. Two games is definitely the sample size that you know any valid statistician wants to work off of. So I can't argue. My point is the permanent stats haven't changed at all. So as long, I think that's the key with him. If he can get to 20 to 25 minutes, he, sh- he will be valuable. question is, can he even get to that? I mean, if he stays in this 10 to 15 minute range, he may not be that valuable. But... Moving on, uh, give me your last and final one, Pratik. All right, uh, I'm all in on the uh, Jabari Parker hype train. Um, Middleton going down, we've talked about it in our previews. Uh, it changed a lot of things for the Bucks. Um, this is the year that you know, the Bucks have been waiting for, for their, their number two pick, their supposed franchise player along with Giannis, to step up and become that guy consistently. So I'm predicting a top 50 season, boldly, for Jabari Parker. Uh, he has everything in his game. He had some really good stretches last year. And I think, as we saw in some highlights we watched earlier today, the main thing I've noticed is he seems very explosive. He seems like he knows what he wants to do. There's very little hesitation in his movements. Because we forget, that ACL tear that he got his rookie year, it takes players time, not only physically, but mentally, to come back from an injury like that. Especially the game speed of the NBA, understanding when and where to attack. So I'm looking forward to a big year from Jabari Parker. Um, It's hard to acquire him in a dynasty league just because he's so young and has potential. But in the redraft league, for sure, I'm targeting him. I think his ADP has got to be relatively low compared to that. So, I mean, I think he's easily a top 80 player this year, but my bold is I'm going top 50. Yeah, I think with how last year finished in terms of a dynasty league, if you can find an owner that isn't that excited about him, he didn't do that great last year until the last month or two, you might be able to pry him away. Um, of course, if he watches the highlights from preseason, he might tell you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, he, he's looked great in preseason. And, I mean, last year he did finish uh, as the na- number 97 player in nine categories. So I think any owner is going to see the potential. I know I had him for his rookie season before he tore his ACL. And I was in win-now mode. So, you know, I traded him um, for what I could get. But I, I'm just really impressed because his rookie season when he came in, he looked a little lost. He was hesitant out there. He was not driving to the basket. You know, he's kind of settling for these... Uh, 16, 18 foot jumpers, which you know in the long run, obviously that that's not the best shot you should be getting. And now we see him driving to the hoop, dunking, you know, finishing, crashing, getting offensive rebounds, going back at it. I I'm really just happy for him um, that he's come all the way back 
top fifty season, he, he could do it. I, I'm a little a little skeptical. Um, but that's what you want with a bold prediction, right? You right. Want, you need some skepticism, but I think I think you could, I think you pull it off. Also. There's a lot of moving parts in Milwaukee these last two years. They brought in Monroe. Giannis developed into this, I mean, superstar, really, we're talking about in a couple of years. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams was there, who they traded a lot for. So it was. I'm sure there was a kind of a weird, fluid situation about who gets the ball, when he gets it, and what you're supposed to do with it. And I think this year is the year we see uh, Jabari really go forward and, you know, try to take control of the situation. Right, okay, moving on to uh, your last one. Palmer, go ahead and give it to me. So my last one, I've uh, been a fanboy for a while now. Uh, he's the wild Aussie from Down Under. It's not Della Vidova, it's Patty Mills. Uh, <laughs> I think he's in for a top 100 season this year. Um, he's been playing behind Tony Parker for the last uh, five seasons, essentially, as a backup point guard. And over the last four seasons, at least, Tony Parker's minutes have consistently decreased. We certainly all know Pop's tendency to, you know, rest his star players, his, you know, aging veterans. Um, I, I think that continues to increase. So Parker's probably going to sit out 10 games at least. What I wonder, and what is the big question, is, is there a point where Tony Parker's skills are diminishing? Is there a point where it makes sense to run Patty Mills with the first unit? Now, he's certainly not the best creator, um, but he is, he's a phenomenal shooter. Uh, he's had seasons in the past where, per 36-minute basis again, he's finished as the number seven player in nine category. So, but, but I think that fits to his style of play, right? Isn't he the I mean, kind of perfect six-man instant offense that you want coming off the bench? Well, but I also think as much as uh, Parker is a better creator, uh, Mills is that much better a floor spacer. And I think yeah, for right. the room for them to operate, I mean, because Parker, I mean, we've seen it for years, the three-point shot Never is, developed. Yeah, really. never really developed to a point where teams need to worry about it. So I think, I mean, we know he's got an important role. It's just, can he take the leap? I, I, I see what you're saying here. Right. Um, yeah, I'm really interested. I've, I've been trying to get some feedback from, you know, Spurs fans about what they think of it. And there, there's a lot of mixed opinions. Some of them, they want to see Patty mm-hmm. out there because they, they recognize he's, you know, he's the shooter. He's the guy who can, who can rack up a lot of points. And with the players they have, Kawhi, Powell, LaMarcus, Tony doesn't really need to create that much. He, he right. does a good job of it, but it's... It's not really needed. You could almost see it reversing where Tony becomes the focal point of the second unit um, and Patty Mills becomes you know, more of an integral part of the first unit. It'll be interesting to also see because during the uh, World Cup this year, Parker was left behind by France as well. Yep. And it's easy to forget. I mean, he's been around forever. He's 34 years old. He's always His peak was always based off his athleticism, his quickness, and his obviously skills. But when he's able to get by players due to that... We might have seen this might be the end, you know. So I think he's definitely somebody who you could acquire for much cheaper than what he could actually be worth. Yeah, I think in redraft leagues also he's not getting drafted. Dynasty leagues would in our rankings we have him higher than most. I think we have him around one sixty. Yeah, sounds about right. Definitely a guy you should target, and yeah, if he gets some minutes, extra minutes, especially with the first unit, he'll be right in those threes. You heard it here first. All right, then let me go to my last one, which I think will create the uh, biggest drama here at this table with the two Booker fanboys I'm sitting next to. Um, Buddy Heald will finish as a better fantasy player this year than Devin Booker. 
Save the worst yeah. for last, right? Yeah. The worst bowl for Oh, no, sorry. It's the best. Okay, my bad. Uh, I don't see it. This is... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let me let me point out some quick stats. Sure, sure. And I can hear listeners just turning off the Couple. podcast right now. <laughs> Couple, well, I think that's a problem with the fantasy community right now. Everybody's very excited from Devin Booker. And don't get me wrong. He's shown a lot of very, very nice things. He's 20 years old now? No, or still, still 19. 19. Okay. So he'll be 20 during the season, and I mean, he plays much older than his years show. Uh, if you look at the highlights from the game against the Blazers, he hit some crazy shots. But me and Pratik actually just went through those. So many of his shots are contested. Now, gra- granted, he's a very, very skilled player, so he made a lot of them. He made almost all of them. Um, but the key is, even Kobe couldn't make those shots consistently. He had a low per- field goal percentage his entire career. I think this guy, Devin Booker, is going to have a low field goal percentage and low turnovers until I mean, he grows up a little bit, until he learns he doesn't need to take those shots every time. On the other hand, Buddy Heald, <clears throat> I will say one thing about him, because I know Palmer always harps on his bad summer league shooting. Uh, Steph Curry had a worse field goal percentage in his first summer league than Buddy Heald. And Heald has looked good in the preseason so he's, far. He's, he's looked extremely nice. good. I think he's averaging around like 19 points, two and a half threes, even five boards. Uh, I mean, he's looking good, and I think as the second option for right now, I mean, until uh, J. Rue and Tyreek are back, should be the second option with Anthony down low. He should have adequate room to make him rain. I think he's going to struggle to to get a shot. Um, And and we've seen that in the past couple years with a lot of these uh, quote-unquote dominant shooters that are supposed to come into the league. Especially out of college. Right, and and it's it's a lot more difficult to get your your open shots than it was in college where, you know, guys are shorter. You can just pull up and shoot over them. It doesn't work like that anymore. Um, So just thinking of recent examples, you know, Nick Stauskas, Ben McLemore, um, not only did those guys struggle their rookie year, they never figured it out. So Buddy, Buddy, I think, is better than those guys, and I think he will figure it out eventually, but I would not expect positive production from him this year. I think he's really going to struggle. It's not like, outside of Anthony Davis, there's no one to really divert attention, so... If teams want to focus on stopping someone on New Orleans, they're going to be able to focus on getting a hand in Buddy's face. And he hasn't demonstrated to me that you know he's able to really create on his own. He's had some nice assists so far, um, ability to, to dish, which has surprised me. But still, he's going to be able to... He has to make his threes to be more valuable than Booker. Yeah, that, that's the whole key. And you're, well, your point with Booker about his turnovers is, is a little unfair because last season... You know, there were stretches when Bledsoe was down where he, was, he was the primary ball handler. So, of course, his turnovers are... He's right, a 19-year-old but, but that, shooting but that goes in, guard. Right, but that goes into the, the aspect that last year he gained a lot of his value from assists as well. I mean, we should expect those to come down along with the turnovers. So, I'm not sure it's a... You know, maybe it's not straight one for one, but... Right. You're going to lose correlation there. Is Heald starting? I don't think he is right now. Right? I think it's more right now. More. So I'll say this. Another point for Booker is that his role is defined now. They've named him the starting shooting guard during the season. Brandon Knight is going to be running the second unit. And I think in that, with that comes... I mean, the Suns... The way you hear about their executives and teammates talk about Booker, I mean, they see him as the future of their franchise. And so I think they are committed to making sure he gets as much as he can handle now. I mean, we saw it yesterday in those highlights from the Blazers game. He was bringing the ball up the floor with Bledsoe kind of stepping out to the side. And you'd think, you know, Bledsoe is this 
their quote unquote franchise point guard uh, would be doing a lot of the ball handling. But I was actually surprised to see that that Booker was getting so much of the ball in his hands instead of just secondary actions where you know he's coming off the of screens. Sure. And and even more, what was impressing me was just the post ups. I think in that highlight alone, there's like five different post ups where just give the ball to Booker and let him do something. I guess for me, I see what you're saying with Heald. He has a very nice floor as a player going right. forward. Uh, for me, what Booker has shown at his age makes me want to bet on the ceiling. Does that make sense? Because few players have done that. Sure. And so to me, that screams that he's already ahead of the curve of players, what they should be doing at his age. I don't see why any reason why. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's shown impressive things already. Why can't it continue? Sure. Well, let me offer you guys a bet then. I, I would like uh, to have Booker as the number one fantasy rookie this year. Would you guys take a different player for 20 bucks? Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. Buddy, yeah. We have to pick a specific player? Yeah, you don't get the field, obviously. Right. Oh, come on. Go ahead. Give me some good odds. Um, it's hard to say because out of all the rookies this year, especially with Simmons going down, we know that Heald will get the ball in his hands the most. Um, Jamal Murray looks like he'll have a nice role in Denver. Uh, Harris is down now, but I think even then he'll move into a sixth-man role for that team. He's probably the one I want to pick, but... I don't feel confident about that because look, half of fantasy is opportunity. Sure, sure. And Buddy's opportunity out of I all think more than is more defined. Give me Dario Saric. I'll give you Dario versus Buddy. Let's do it. Twenty, 20 bucks. Twenty bucks. All right. Put it there. So if neither one is number one, no one gets paid. No, I get right. forty bucks. No. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. That's a deal. So bitch. Thanks, right, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I would like to just announce a trade. Me and Pratik made a... Or sorry, not a trade. A bet. Me and Pratik made uh He loves Steven Adams. I think he sucks. Uh, so we went Robin Lo- Lopez versus Steven Adams this year in fantasy for 20 bucks. And I'm here right now, Pratik, offering to double the bet. If you're interested, if you're scared, it's fine. Alright, let's double it. You can call me out. There we go. Hell yeah! Go to Bucks, mock it up. Alright guys, uh, I think that's it for our uh, pod today. Uh, Tried to keep it a little short before NFL Sunday starts. Um, But as usual, you can hit us up on uh, sixmandynasty.com and... Uh, we'll be posting some new articles soon. Hopefully, yeah, feel we feel free to uh, argue with us on Reddit. We love it. It's yeah, like that's our yeah. favorite thing to do. <laughs> Makes the workday go by. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. the only exciting thing of the workday. Um, so yeah, look out for uh, some new articles. Pratik's working on something for some players that are hitting some crossroads in their career. Uh, I think Palmer wants to do some more rookie analysis. Um, so check us out. We're hoping to release about two to three articles a week now and updated hit up the rankings, podcast. Rankings, well. yeah. Right, and hopefully by Monday or Tuesday we'll have uh, new updated rankings for anybody who hasn't drafted yet. Um, so definitely check those out. And, uh, yeah, that's what's up. Thanks, right. guys. Appreciate it. See you.